I've recently been thinking about an approach to uh, to programming, specifically in terms of building APIs, which is, um, and I'm sure this has been coined before, this terminology, but a documentation-first approach. And let me just give a bit of backstory here as to how we've landed at this approach um, at the company I work at. So we got a new coder about maybe seven or so months ago. Everything was running pretty smoothly, but then I started to realize that there was a bit of a... Um, a, a bit of um, miscommunication, a bit of lag in communication uh, between us. Even though we've got Microsoft Teams set up, we can very easily you know, chat to each other whenever we need to. Sometimes my needs um, weren't really lining up with what he was um, building for me. And this was, um, by the way, I don't want to say at all that this is his fault. This is entirely my fault because if you don't tell someone an API that you need, then how on earth are they supposed to build that API? And if you can't tell them what you need out of a component, then how on earth are they supposed to build it for you? So there was a real miscommunication there. And honestly, for the most part, it was my fault because I wasn't clear. Um, and as a person who started off this project, it's my responsibility to make sure that it's very clear to the people that... Um, building these components that I'm going to consume, it's very, it's very important that I'm clear to them what I need in terms of um, the API for that component. And not just the API, I guess um, in some ways the way that it's built as well. Uh, not too much though, you don't want to micromanage. <laughs> you don't want to micromanage um, the people that are working for you. But it's often good to sort of um, get each other up to speed on knowledge that you have in certain areas and kind of agree on the ways that you build things. So anyway, I, and I have talked about this in a previous podcast, but I want to let you know a little bit more about the conclusion that we came to. So I decided um, what we're going to do is we're going to get a very um, large kind of image of what we're um, trying to accomplish with the API. And just to, you know what, let's use a more hard example here. Uh, the example that, the thing that we were working on was composables for our models. So um, I used to just use VueXORM, but our application is starting to reach a scale now where I want to start using composables um, so that I can very easily use my models in a whole bunch of different ways. It's kind of hard to explain. I could do like a whole series on that. But basically, we wanted to have composables for accessing the API. We wanted to have composables for accessing a resource, so a RESTful resource like create, read, update, delete, um, and then a relation resource as well. So your CRUD operations, but also for related resources. So for example, users' comments and being able to toggle user comments and sync them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there was that, but then I also wanted to be able to um, then marry that up to a model. So for example, I wanted to be able to say, um, use model resource or something like that, have a composable for that so that whenever I create something, it also creates it in the store for me. Or when I index something, it also um, adds all of those models into the store for me. So it's kind of marrying the back end to the front end up in a composable. Um, and then like other things as well, composables for collections. So figuring out how we want it to look when we're using um, composables to deal with a collection of models, all that kind of stuff. And there were so many questions that we needed to answer with that in terms of how it's used, in terms of how we deal with relationships with our models and make it easy to consume, um, in terms of how we filter it, in terms of how we do searching on the back end. So when we're building tables, we can have like a search bar at the top of the table and it will filter the records on the back end because that's going to be a lot faster than if you try and do everything on the front end, especially when you start dealing with large data sets. So, you know, stuff like that. And th there was a lot to it. And the current strategy I had was whenever I needed something, I'd kind of just be like, yeah, Pat, can you like make it so it can do this? 
and I'd give like maybe a little bit of a sample of the API or an example of how I wanted it to work. And it was just really unclear. And we'd get on the phone and we'd talk about it. And so I thought, right, how do I solve this? Um, how do we make sure we're on the same page? And so the first thing we did was we started a Miro board. And Miro is what we use for whiteboarding uh, at our work. And it just allows us to very easily like throw our ideas down. And the first thing we did was we kind of built a structure of composables and what was going to be exposed on those composables and what was, and more importantly, what was not going to be exposed on those composables. Because if you expose too much, then it's difficult to kind of swap um, the functionality of that composable out. Um, and so, you know, deciding what was available and what wasn't available and then just kind of abstracting that out to the point where we had a composable, which was our ultimate composable, I guess you could call it, which is our use model composable or use model collection composable for dealing with, you know, larger data sets. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, getting all that stuff and we nutted it all out in a Miro board and it took ages. It took probably about four days to get all of that done. And, you know, that's probably working like seven to eight hours a day, sitting down, figuring out what would be exposed, having arguments, you know, healthy arguments about what we think was right, taking breaks, coming back to it, um, and then figuring out the entire API of this so that it fitted all of my needs. But then um, also making sure Pat was happy with the API because he's got a lot of good insight. Like one of the things he convinced me of is that you don't want to expose too much on your composables because it makes it hard to swap them out like I mentioned before and so we would have arguments on that and then I'd often eventually be like ah okay I see why you don't want to expose that now so you know just stuff like that making sure that we're on the same page with all of this and then once we've done all of that and this is where it comes to the point of the whole podcast here with a documentation first approach once we've done all of that um, I, I downloaded the latest version of ViewPress I started a, um, a project with the latest version of um, ViewPress uh, so I recommend using that, the beta version, because it uses Vue 3. Um, and it, for us, it's been pretty stable so far. Um, yeah, and so I started up a, a ViewPress site for our documentation, and we wrote out the API. So like the actual API for everything. We were like, what is this composable going to return? Um, Pat did all the TypeScript stuff for it as well, so we knew exactly how it was going to be typed and what was it was extending, how the responses were going to look, um, figuring out all of those, you know, bits and pieces, those details, and writing the documentation before he'd actually built anything yet. I mean, honestly, he got a bit excited at times, and so we'd go off and build a little bit of it. Um, but then I had to sort of like steer him back with that because he would get so excited that I'd be like, "Come on, we need to like, you know, he'd he'd be off building it, and I'd be like, "No, come on, let's go back and actually start working more on the API before we build this." Uh, yeah, and so. Um, we built the entire documentation so we knew exactly what the API would look like and we wrote some implementations of using these composables as well. And the good thing about writing implementations is that as you're writing it, you realize, oh crap, this actually looks really gross. Let's change the API a little bit here. Um, and you know, so you keep writing the code, changing the API, doing more implementations, asking questions like what could go wrong here. And then I would be, you know, I'd go to bed that night, wake up the next morning and think, ah, hang on, there's some things that I want to be able to do that our current API won't allow us to do. Or we'd be stuck in a problem and you go to bed that night, wake up and we both will like come to the same solution. And so once we had that entire documentation done. Now, th this is fantastic because I I've talked about vision a lot in the past, but now Pat has an extremely crystal clear vision. It's literally already documented, so you can't get any clearer than that. He's got a crystal clear vision of exactly what to code. 
So now he can go off. He's got about um, a month's worth of work that he can just go off and code. And now poor me, I have to like, um, <laughs> poor me, <laughs> boo-hoo. Um, I've got an amazing job as a coder, and now I'm saying poor me. <laughs> so I say this jokingly, but um, now I have to go off and keep coding um, with things the current way, knowing that we've got this beautiful new way that we're going to be coding in the future um, with these composables. And I have to kind of do things the old sort of crappy way. Um, it's not that crappy, to be honest. But um, but yeah, so now he can go off and work on that whilst I'm off um, pushing the project forward and working on more features and releasing stuff. So yeah, I just wanted to bring, you know, sort of share that story with you so that it might help you too. And this doesn't, this doesn't make sense for everything. You can't document the crap out of everything. But for the stuff that is very core to your business, like dealing with models, I mean, it, doesn't get, it almost doesn't get any more core than that dealing with your uh, your models and figuring out how you create that relationship between the back end and the front end. This is a deep, deep problem that a lot of people need to solve. Um, and by the way, if you think you've got this solved because you're using something like Firebase, then um, talk to me in three years' time because I think you'll find that um, you might start hitting some brick walls and realizing that you do need to actually do some other stuff to solve this problem um, yourself, but sorry, I need to stop ripping on Firebase. But yeah, especially if you're using a backend like Django, Laravel, um, Rails, anything like that, there aren't many tools that yet, and I think there will be soon now that the composition API is becoming more and more popular. Um, there aren't many tools yet that marry those backend services with the front end really well. We've got stuff like um, GraphQL, so. If you're using GraphQL, it's probably going to be a lot easier for you than it has been for me. Um, but for us, we've got a very specific use case, um, and we need a lot of flexibility for the kind of stuff that we're doing at work because it's so data-centric. We're collecting data in so many different ways, and we're trying to create a very clean ape, a very clean user interface, which means that we need to often do some fancy stuff on the front end um, in terms of how it then goes into the back end. Uh, so we need to have a very robust data modeling system um, and communication between the front end and the back end, you know, especially also for things like performance. If you just have one way of doing things, um, on you know, with how you deal with data on the front end, you, you know, like if you just fetch your data and you never fetch related data, it's impossible to deal with. But then sometimes you want to fetch related data and you want to update data in the store with those relationships. But then sometimes you want to fetch data and you want to create data in the store with those relationships. So rather than updating, you want to do a full replace because it's going to be faster. Like there's so many little edge cases like that that we need to think about to make sure our UI is snappy um, with all of these you know different scenarios that we end up with. And then also creating an API. I know I'm rabbiting on here, but I think you guys might be interested in this stuff. Also creating an API that is easy for people in the future to use. We want to create tools that are flexible, um, but also easy for people um, using our code in the future. Because we want to, th we want people in three or four years' time when we hire new people in, at AgriPath, we want to make sure that when they're using our composables, it totally makes sense to them. And if we do this documentation first approach, we've got this beautiful documentation that's easily searchable that they can then jump onto and find a lot of their own answers for. So they don't have to ask us for the answers for everything all of the time. They can do a lot of their own study and research and then come to us with questions that actually matter, questions that are a lot more intricate and related to code styling and um, related to architecture rather than figuring out just how to use the damn system in the first place. Uh, so... Anyway, hopefully you find that useful.
And definitely consider writing documentation first. You might be surprised how useful and, frankly, how fun it is to work on documentation first. It's really cool because you get to like you get excited about the vision of the API that you're creating. So anyway. Check out quasarcomponents.com if you like this kind of thing. And definitely check out quasarcast.com as well if you want to learn more about Quasar and um, watch my videos on developing Quasar stuff. And yeah, that's it for this podcast. Always remember that there is nothing you can't build. Bye for now.